For anyone listening who has toxic people in their life, I just want to encourage them that they can move on. Tough relationships are okay, toxic relationships are not. Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. We've got David Hoffman on the show today. David is a friend of mine that I recently met. He's a follower of Jesus who feels called to be a light in the marketplace. He's the founder of several companies, including David Hoffman Realty. He speaks at corporate events across the country, but he also recently released a book called Relationships Over Rules, Seven Principles to Lead Gracefully and Love Generously. I love this book. It shares not only his story, which is a very powerful story, I'll tell you more about it in a second, but it gives you very practical ways to serve others that God has placed in your life. Uh, whether you're a business leader, a mom, a dad, you're in ministry, this book would be really, really helpful and practical for you. Uh, but like I said, he shares a powerful story of how God redeemed his life after a heartbreaking series of circumstances and environments that he grew up in that many of us could never, ever fathom. But instead of that leading him towards bitterness, it led him to have a passion for serving others and valuing relationships. So we talk about what it took to help him forgive his father and his stepmom for how they raised him in an environment of intense and severe neglect, what kept him from turning to resentment and bitterness, how the love of Jesus transformed his life and why it's important to spend time with others without an agenda and to serve the people that God has placed in your life now. So I believe you'll be really blessed by this interview. And once again, I encourage you to check out his book. But also if you're looking for more insight into how you can serve others through the dreams God has placed in your heart, uh, it's important to learn how God has uniquely wired you to dream. So that's why I put together a free quiz to help you discover your unique dreamer type. It takes less than 90 seconds to get your results. You can do that just by going to wadejoy.com slash dreamer quiz to get your unique dreamer profile. So I encourage you to do that. Once again, pick up David's book. And now let's jump into my interview with David Hoffman. David, welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me, Wade. We start every episode with this question. So let's just dive right in. What are you dreaming about right now? That's a great question. And um, my dream is that we just focus on the people God puts in our life and don't worry about what we're missing, the next transaction, the next person, a better spouse, a more talented child, a more loving parent. Um, and we just seek out those that he's already put in our life, man. That's, I dream about that every day, man. Like I, my, my hope, my hope is that that just becomes the currency that we live by. I love that. And, I, and I'm not surprised to hear that answer after reading your book, which, um, I love this book, uh, relationships over rules, seven principles to lead gracefully and love generously. And you, you can just tell when you read this how much your heart just beats for relationships and for the value of it, the importance of it, and not as a means to an end, but an end in of itself. And what struck me, because we're, we're new friends, we, we just had breakfast together a couple of weeks ago, and I heard a little bit of your story then, but then diving into the book and seeing it at a much deeper level, a more raw, vulnerable level, 
I think so much of what you're passionate about now is because of what you lacked as a child. And I'd love for you, however much you're comfortable, to walk us through your story. Because number one, I think it's one of the most powerful stories of redemption I've ever heard um, coming from, you know, some very difficult circumstances. But I also want to see how God can form our ministry now by what, by the hurt that we walked through in previous seasons of life. So take it wherever you want it to go, but I'd love for people to hear your story. Absolutely, Wade. And and when I learned your story, what you and your bride have done and your precious girls, wow. So everyone has, that's a reminder that everyone has a story, Wade. And so um, I just want to encourage people, you know, we've got Jeremiah 29, 11 in big print up and down our conference room wall. So when people are holding on too tight, man, they're hoping they're holding on to those chains from their past. When, when they're having anxiety around a decision, I just want to encourage them that God has a big plan for their life and for them to prosper and not be harmed. Um, I just turned 44 a week and a half ago. And, and, um, when my mom was pregnant with me in 1979, she had multiple sclerosis. And back then it was a death sentence. Um, if anything triggered it. And, and so uh, labor and delivery was one of the main things. And so they warned my mom, they said, look, if you have this little boy, worst case, you die, best case, you're probably going to be paralyzed. I mean, it's going to trigger. If you don't have this little boy, um, you can very likely live a fairly normal life right now. You're very healthy. Um, Thankfully, my, my mom had me, chose life for me, and um, it triggered her MS, Wade, and she became paralyzed from the waist down mm-hmm. and um, never gained her ability to walk again, never gained her ability to care of herself again. When I was two, my dad, my father, not my dad, my father took me out of that house and um, never looked back. Um, he remarried about three years later. I got to visit my mom three or four times a year for three or four hours. So when I was with my mom, Wade, man, I went back and forth between two things. One, why am I not here 24-7? I mean, she just was so positive, so beautiful inside and out. Never complained. Now that I'm a dad and a husband, man, when I look back at her story, wow, how powerful that gratitude, that positivity. She'd wake up. Never once did she frown. Never once did she complain. Never once did I see tears. I'm sure they existed, but not in front of me. And so when I'm there, I'm thinking, why am I not living with my mom? Why is my mom not raising me? Because she's my mom. And then when I get home, there was just a lot, a lack of love. There was a lot of neglect. Um, and, and again, just a lack of love. I'll tell you, you know, I never heard of Jesus since 2009. When I got saved in 2009, I started learning about forgiveness and the grace that we've been given. And I ended up forgiving my father and stepmother for everything from my father leaving my mom, taking me to where he put me and how I was raised or neglected. It wasn't just words that forgiveness, that the grace was given to me that I passed forward. Um, it, 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 I'll never forget what I went through, but it just took the animosity and bitterness off of me. Now, don't get me wrong for anyone listening who has toxic people in their life, I just want to encourage them that they can move on. You can forgive but not forget and not keep, not keep. Tough relationships Mm -hmm. are okay. Toxic relationships are not. And so as I'm getting older, man, I was going back and forth between I hate you, God, to apathy. You just don't exist. Mm -hmm. There was never love. There was never relationship. Because I'm thinking, how do you make my beautiful mom sick? How do you take me away from her? 
And then how do you put me in this really difficult new environment? And so I just never understood it. You know, a good, a good God wouldn't do those things. So either you're too busy for me, you don't exist, or you're not a good God. Yeah. Um, and can you can you explain a little bit more about the environment that you were in? Because I think that's what makes your current forgiveness that much more a testimony to God's power in your heart. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I, um, I was speaking, I was speaking in Kansas city a couple months ago and I was sharing a little bit of my testimony, Wade. And someone in the crowd had read the book and they're like, Dave is more dig deeper, kind of like you. Mm-hmm. And so I'll never forget, you know, I have a couple of vivid memories because you have to face your past. You have to face your trauma um, not because God was a part of it. He's not the author of anything evil, but because you need to be able to know your past, to be able to put it behind you, to realize your true potential and purpose. And so I'll never forget one one night, wait, my stepmother gets home and I hear her loud and clear ask the babysitter, did David leave his room? And the babysitter said, yeah, at one point I heard, you know, the bathwater running. And, you know, my stepmother got really angry and she'd say, my mom didn't want me. My father didn't want me. No one wants you. And, and, and so she was, you know, I, I would get punished that time that I drank the bathwater. And so I thought to myself, well, I need something to drink. I can't go downstairs and get clean water. So I just started moving to the toilet. And I can say that now because I feel encouraged that that is not, that is not who I am, but it's a part of my testimony. And for you, Wade, and your beautiful family, for so many people that have their own story of trials and tragedy and challenge, we live in a broken world. And so I want to encourage people that that the, the bliss that we don't see today is going to be magnified more than imaginable one day in eternity. And we have to stay thankful at all that God's doing in the junk. You know, just like the water, the food was getting counted. You know, the water was making noise. The food was getting counted. So the slices of bread, the apples, the cookies. And so I was like, well, I'm hungry. So I started moving to the dog food in the basement. Um, And, um, you know, for the longest time, I couldn't share that story because I felt like a victim. And I'm a victor. You know, I'm a child of God. And so, you know, I don't like telling that story. But I just want to encourage people that everyone has their story. And it's not who they are. Um, It's just a part of the broken world. And they can overcome Jesus had to die on the cross and be tortured so that he could rise again. And, and each and every person that God puts in our life can too. Um, and so a lot of times I get asked, Wade, how do you go from dog food and toilet water? How do you go from a lack of love and neglect, being alone, to loving people and, 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 and valuing relationships? And it's so easy because outside of my mom, I had none. You know, my mom was 10 hours a year. And I craved it. I thought to myself, one day I'm going to be the husband that my dad was not for, for my wife, like my father was not for my mom. One day I'm going to be the father my, that my father was not. You know, in life we're taught many things. And it's our decision to be enabled or to empower. And so for me, I learned how not to live. I learned how not to lead and how not to love by learning how to love and how to live and how to lead weight. So, you know, I've been praying a lot on what has made me not have resentment and to have, and to have this love for anyone place in my life. 
and honestly, I think I think that adversity I faced was such a great gift, man. I, I mean that. That's not tongue in cheek, Wade. I think sometimes, you know, when Joseph goes to the jail, when when Paul's in the jail, I think sometimes God, He's watching. I know He's watching everything. And I, I believe sometimes He's like, okay, okay, I'm going to put a hedge of protection around David, like I did with Job, but I'm going to let some things happen in this season. And maybe until I get to heaven, I won't know why. But when I get to heaven, I'll hear, oh, oh, oh. And I'll be saying, oh, and wait, you and your wife and your precious girl, you'll be saying, oh, okay, that's why it happened. We don't see everything that God's doing. Um, But I do believe, while I wish I had that time with my mom every day, because I didn't, it was magnified. That smile on her face when she lost everything. You know, I was on the phone right before my mom died, Wade. And I was not a believer. And so my one regret in life, I'm sure there's others, but the one that's resounding, everyone says no regrets. My one regret in life is I'm on the phone with my mom and I was reaching some worldly success. And my mom says, you know, I'm in DC. She's in New York City, Wade. And she goes, come visit me. I miss my son. And I'm like, absolutely, mom. She died three weeks later. And, and I had no idea, you know, how sick she was going to be. I get to the funeral, open casket. I cried for days, not cliche. I cried for days because it was the one person who loved me. Um, and so I said that day, never again. And, and um, so now if God puts someone in my life, if I commit to something on the calendar, I'm going to finish what I start. I don't care what it is. There's nothing better. I don't care who it is. There's nothing or no one more important. Wherever I am, I'm going to give my all because that's where God wants me to be. Um, I wasn't missing this podcast for anything less than a personal emergency. And that's why I was early, man. That's why you were early because when you know your purpose, and I think without that adversity, I wouldn't have had that perspective to know my purpose. I think without that adversity, I wouldn't have had the perspective that I don't want to drink toilet water again. I don't want to eat dog food, but I could do it right now, which means I don't need that filet mignon. That means I don't need millions of dollars in the bank. Money is not my master because I know what you can live without. And I know what you can live with. You know, I was raised Jewish and I love the story of the manna. And, you know, um, I don't hoard because I know God has shown me that he will provide. Um, That's a lot of the story. That's some of the story. You know, the best part, I think the best part is in 2009, I was going through some more tough times and I thought, well, here we go again. God, are you ever going to be here for me? Like, do we just agree to disagree? Or you, I, I don't think you're a bad God. And um, a dear friend took me to church. I got saved two days later. And then, oh, by the way, I met my wife the next day. So, well, um, I lo- you sent me a text today uh, saying 15 years ago, almost to the day, my ex-wife left, the economy was collapsing, and I felt lost and alone. First my mom, and then my wife and my business Unbeknownst to me, after attending church for the first time, I met both Jesus and Jessica, which I, I mean, the testimony of how God turned your life around within a 24 hour period is pretty amazing. Yeah. And you know, um, I really do believe the saying, sometimes it takes more faith to not believe, you know, the stars in the sky, the sun being just close enough to give you enough heat, but not too close to burn, but not too far to freeze. You know, your beautiful family, my beautiful family, all, all the beauty that we do have, all the blessings that we do receive, that it all just kind of happens. It all just, everything's just a coincidence. When something goes wrong, we blame God. When something goes right, we encourage ourselves. You know, we, we, we put the trophies on the, on the wall and the mantle. And, um, and so I'm thankful for everything I've gone through. You know, sometimes I'll ask God when it's going to stop. 
or what's next? You know, may, I love to look forward three years, Wade. I believe we need to look forward three years. Three years ago, he put God put three things on my heart. Write my story like you did as well. Amazing book, amazing testimony. Holy cow. Thank you. Um, open our brokerage during a, a pandemic. And most importantly, be open to having a little girl. Well, we weren't going to be having any more kids of our own. And so we were getting ready the next day to start Christian adoption services. And God puts this nine-year-old girl, Isabella, in our arms. And there's more to the story, but there really isn't. God was doing it all. So, so when my wife's going through tough seasons, I'm going through tough seasons, not able to bring these precious little girls in this world. We have two boys. And we're like, okay, we're, we're going to lose hope. Never lose hope, never lose hope, never lose faith. He's always working. I want to go back and dive in a little deeper to when your heart began to be open to faith in Jesus. Because yeah. what's striking as I read your, your book is, and I want to help paint the picture for those who haven't read it yet, is you're coming out of this situation to where your father took you away from your mom marries your stepmom and you're in this environment of neglect for years and years and years to the point where your food's being monitored, your water's being monitored, you're having to resort to the things that you've already talked about. And what that did inside of you is it gave you this drive to create a life that was different. Yet at the same time, you had this intense anger and hostility towards God. Like, why, God, why would you allow this to happen to me? So you were trying to build a life that was successful, that was different than what you had left. But at the same time, you were not open to inviting God into it. Right. What changed there? 2008, Wade, um, I had a short marriage and the economy crashed. You know, I moved to Charlotte in 2005 for a fresh start. God moved me here without me knowing, you know, I was chasing someone. I was trying to get a fresh start and I hit the ground running. In 2005, I sold a lot of houses, 47 homes as a rookie. And I was a young guy, um, but I had a work ethic. You know, I was working at eight years old to shovel snow and rake leaves and wash cars to make a little money to go to the convenience store to get some food. And so that's where like some of my adversity has been a real gift for me and I have gratitude for it. And, and so I hit the ground running, Wade, and I was like, okay, okay, here we go, here we go. I wasn't giving God the credit, but in 2005, six, seven, eight, I'm like, okay, I knew I could prove it. Even back in D.C., I was like, I almost said, like, I told you so, you know, to God. Like, I, I knew you. I knew I didn't need anyone, you know. And um, and then the economy crashed, man. And, and um, you know, that short marriage went away, and the economy hit a bottom. And I've got, like, five people living in my house just to pay the mortgage, and, you know, I was at a restaurant. One of my dear friends was trying to set up a blind date. He really cared about me. And there's two other couples there. And, and, and I tried to pay the bill because a few months earlier, I'm making all the money in the world. And um, the waiter comes back and he, go, he goes real loud, but laughing. He's like, hey, sorry, Dave. You know, it looks like you're from New York. You're a Yankees fan. I'm a Red Sox fan. So your card's no good. So I laughed, but he wasn't joking, man. Um, so he whispered my ear. He's like, hey, man, your card declined. I didn't have another card. And um, I went to the bathroom and I called. And long story short, you know, February 2009, 
And I said, excuse me, you know, my car has been declined. I've got about $250 bill for the six of us. So Mr. Hoffman, are you still in real estate? Yes, ma'am. Do you have another business? No, ma'am. Um, okay, one second. Sir, do you know what's going on in the world right now? I'm like, yes, ma'am. Okay, so you're saying that you're our real estate agent in 2009, February 2009. Yeah, we sent you a letter in the mail. You know, we've cut off your, your credit. And, and I'm trying to keep it together, man. Saturday night, I'm in the bathroom. You know, I'm trying to ignore everything that's going on in the world. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 30 years old. And I feel like I've always had everything taken from me. And I work so hard to try to get something, you know, like a few hours with my mom a little bit of food or water, you know, to build a business. And, and it's always, and so I'm keeping it together, Wade. And, and, and I asked, I was like, hey, can I just have a couple hundred dollar credit? She's like, sir, I'm sorry. This is cut off a couple of days ago. The letter was just mailed out today. So I just, I said, okay, thank you. I hung up, I texted my friend. And I said, hey, please just bring me a credit card. And, and I take the card back and I pay for the dinner. He's like, oh, let's go to the next restaurant. Let's go to the bar. I'm like, no, I can't. I stayed up all night in my car crying, man. Um, you know, I felt like I'd hit the bottom, but, um, you know, I wasn't drinking that much. I wasn't doing drugs. Like I didn't feel like an, an addict or anything. I just, I was like, God, you know, why, why me? You know, like why, why over and over again? Why me? And he said, I heard him audibly, man. I know it sounds crazy about a handful of times over the years since then I've heard him audibly and he's sick, and my wife knows it now. She'll be like, what did he say? And I'll tell her, and then it happens. It's not a gift of prophecy, you know, maybe through him, definitely through him. It's not my gift, but he said, David, you've tried your way for almost 30 years. Give it to me. And I was so tired, man, and um, I was Saturday night. And my friend had been asking me to go to church, man. He'd been asking me to go to church. It was Saturday night. You know, months earlier, I'm making more money than I know what to do with. I'm like, I told the world, I told God I could make something. I text my friend, Justin, man, and I'm like, hey, man, if that offer to go to church tomorrow morning stands, you know, I'm in. He's like, absolutely, man. Like, meet me here. It's in Uptown. Like, come here. We'll park here. We'll go to lunch afterwards. This is awesome, brother. This is awesome. I get to church. <laughs> it's pretty special. It's not a coincidence that we met. You're there. You know, you don't realize that I'm there. Pastor Stevens is there. And, and the message is, and I think I'm the only person, man. I know there's hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of people, but I hear them loud and clear being like, are you going through a tough time in relationship? Are you going through a tough time in your real estate business? Is your name David? Have you always challenged God? Have you always wondered why you haven't gotten any wins in your life? Do you feel like your life was a mistake? Because remember, remember a few years earlier, I didn't even say goodbye to my mom. My mom sacrificed everything for me and when I told her I was going to visit her, I didn't. I was so selfish and self-righteous, and I thought my mom had all this time. And so I'm like, I shouldn't be alive. You know, I thought about taking my own life. I was definitely an atheist. And I just heard this message loud and clear to me. You know, you're, you're enough. You know, and, and that's when he picked up that that little boy who wasn't that short, like this tall boy. And um, and I left with my friend, and I went on. I went on with my my day. Monday, Justin said, "Hey, man, let's have lunch tomorrow." I was like, are you sure, man? We just hung out yesterday. You're not sick of me? He's like, no, let's have lunch tomorrow. Tuesday shows up the next day, Wade, and he looks at me. He looks at me and he says, David, you've tried it your way for almost 30 years. Give it to God. Hmm. And and um, I was like, hey, man, do you own a security system? He's like, why? He's like, well, <laughs> I mean, I thought maybe you put a camera in my house. But that's what God told me Saturday night. He said, well, God told me to tell you that. Maybe, maybe today you'll listen. 
And, um, and I started crying, man. I started bawling and, um, and, um, you know, his brother has a bunch of kids and his 11 year old, just turned 12 year old son got bit by a shark last year in the keys. And it's a big national story. And we were talking about Jesus yesterday. He was in my office and he started reading the book and he thought it was beautiful that I put that story about me getting saved with Justin in there. Um, and I said, Justin, I'm so tired, man. I'm just so tired. I've always tried to be a good person. I've always tried to love people to the best of my ability. I've always tried to do good works, do good, not because of heaven, not because of later, but just because people deserve to be loved. And, and, and he's like, David, let me tell you about our God. And um, he told me about our father. He knows my story about my father. He's like, you got a father that loves you. And so I gave my life to Jesus. And, um, and the next day I took a dear friend out for his 60th birthday and I met my wife and, um, I felt like God was waiting for me to be ready to receive his blessings. And so don't get, don't get me wrong. The rest of the story isn't all just mountaintops and, and, you know, I like hot sauce, hot sauce and Sour Patch Kids or whatever your favorite food. You know, it, <laughs> life is not perfect. We're not called for bliss. We're not called to be comfortable. Um, but but I got to the point in life where I realized that I couldn't do it on my own. And I also realized that he was working, that God was working in all mm-hmm. things. And and um, and then anything bad that was happening was not on his watch, but he was still working and it wasn't over until it's good because he's good. And, yeah. you know, I had to hit that bottom weight. And so once I did, man, um, again, life's not perfect for any of us. We're going to face challenge. We're called to suffer like Jesus. I truly believe that on this side. Um, but he's there. I see it all the time now, man. Once you have that relationship, just like with your wife, just like with your daughters, your friends, our growing relationship, then you can't unsee their love and hurt. You can't unsee when they need something. You want to walk a mile in their shoes. And so now I just feel like I've got the Holy Spirit in my heart, like our house is filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And, and I just, I see all his goodness everywhere now. Instead of seeing the darkness, I see the light, brother. Hmm. I love that story. Um, now, before we get into like your business and how you lead in a way that seeks to serve people, how did you go about forgiving your father and your stepmom? So you've been forget you've accepted the forgiveness of Jesus. How did you work that out in your life? Because I imagine that had to be incredibly difficult. You know. That's a, that's a powerful question about forgiveness. I thought it would be a lot harder. But when my father, when my father called and he said, I'm sorry for taking you away from your mom. I'm sorry for putting you in such a bad situation. And I'm sorry for leaving you there. I felt the Holy Spirit remind me that we are all sinners. And I I realized in that moment, just like I have been forgiven for not saying goodbye to my mom, I've been forgiven for all my sins, that God said, forgive your father. And 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 it just got easy. And I think that I don't want to over-spiritualize it from just a, a, a man level as a human. I think him just giving, I think him just just making me realize that I wasn't telling stories. You know, the fish is this big. You know, that I wasn't exaggerating, that I didn't have like um, 
a different interpretation than the truth. I think that's all I needed. I think God God gives you what you need even when you don't ask for it, right? And so I don't think I needed an apology as much as I just needed to know that I wasn't telling stories. I need to know that I wasn't a victim and that I was victorious. And so when my father said, I recognize you were treated wrong and I'm sorry, all I heard was I recognize you were treated wrong. I think that was my biggest struggle, Wade. And I think a lot of times people struggle with like, why is this not stopping? Like, am I missing something? And it's almost like you enable it. Like, like, should I allow this? Do I deserve this? That was my biggest struggle, Wade, is that I thought maybe I'm not enough to have love. Maybe I'm not enough. Maybe the story is different than I've been telling myself. Maybe the narrative is different. You start thinking, you know, that you don't have any truths. I've got insecurities and trauma. You know, I recognize, I don't want to look in the past, but we all have our junk in our life. We all have the strife in our life. And so honestly, with my father, and then same with my stepmother, she said, you know, I know I didn't treat you properly. I'm so sorry. It's all I needed, man. It's almost like when you drink toilet water, you don't need that fancy sweet tea. You'll just take water from the faucet, you know? And, and um, you know, uh, um, sometimes my kids will see me eat food. I'll pick up food off the floor and eat it. And I just don't think twice. And so I never needed a lot, man. I just wanted love. And, and, and when, so when I heard, I recognize you didn't have the love you deserved or you weren't treated the way you should, it almost allowed me to close that door. It almost allowed me to move forward and drop the guard of bitterness and resentment because I believe the devil wants us to be resentful. The devil wants us to be bitter and anxious because then there's no room for God to creep in. Jesus can't be there if anxiety is filling your mind with double-mindedness. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like as soon as I heard my father say, you were not treated properly, I'm sorry, I just went into, what would my heavenly father do? I just went into that mode of, if I'm going to be a reflection of Jesus, if I'm going to be the salt and light, I need to forgive like I've been forgiven. And um, and then it got easy, man. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy every day um, because I don't, keep them in my life. Uh, because again, you can keep tough people. You can keep tough relationships. We all have them. We have them in family relationships and neighbors and friendships. We have them in the marketplace and at church, but not toxic. And, and, and so especially as dads, man, you can relate as husbands. We're the head of the household. We got to protect our brides. We have to protect our kids. And so we have to be very careful not to let anyone in. You know, when you break the chains, you got to make sure they don't get picked up by someone you love. And um, and so it gave me a peace, man. It like closed that chapter. Mm-hmm. It, it almost gave me a peace that I could never imagine receiving because I never so had you, peace, man. I never had peace. Yeah. So you, you were able to get your heart to a place and a choice of forgiveness, yet you still maintain boundaries that prevent toxic, um, a further toxic relationship that not just that affects you, but affects the rest of your family. Exactly. You know, and like you and I were talking about at breakfast about joy and you just exude joy. I choose joy in the morning, regardless of what the world brings me. And, and that forgiveness brings me that joy. Hmm. Because I don't have to look back, man. You know, when I look back, all I see is my mom's smile. When I look back, all I see are, or I hear her laughs. I'm telling you, man, I try to think of the moment that she cried. I try to think of the moment, even on the phone with her right before she passed. And she said, I can't wait to see you. I'll never know until I get to heaven if she knew how sick she was and didn't want me to worry or if she didn't know. But she said, David, I love you. I'm proud of you. I can't wait to see you. 
And I was very self-righteous, very selfish, so I didn't make that a top priority. So I want to encourage people that if God puts something in their life, don't wait that extra day. If you commit, it stays. But yeah. I just, I, I just, I, I, I choose peace and joy now. And man, the stress comes. I, you know, I have a colleague who recently asked me, David, how come you don't have stress? You seem to never have stress. I'm like, hey, hey, hold on a second. It storms on my house, just like your house around the corner. You know, um, I, I've got takers in my life, and I make my own mistakes, just like you and your friends and neighbors and family too. Um, but I wake up each day choosing peace and joy and not expecting bliss. And I'm grateful in the little things, um, which allows room to receive all of his blessings. And, and, um, and that's the greatest gift of gratitude that I got through that adversity, Wade, is that there's nothing you can tell me, man. I cannot imagine how bad it would have to get where I would turn from Jesus. I can't mm-hmm. imagine how bad it would have to get before I'd lose hope. And, and, and so for me, I would never wish anything that I face, anything that you and your bride and your girls have faced. I would never wish that on anyone. And when I look back, I wouldn't change a, a second of a day. Yeah. You know what I love about your story and as I've gotten to know you, and, and it's so evident in this book, is that even though you are in the marketplace, you are a very successful business leader, Um and it's just really evident how God has blessed you, your faith is front and center. And so you very much are a light in the darkness for a lot of people. Um, And so I wanna really talk about what that looks like for you. And, And one of the reasons I think it shines so brightly in you is, you know, as you get to the seven different principles that you talk about in your book, the first two, I think really um, are very rare uh, when you look at just day-to-day interactions that we all have in our life. Number one is focus on the people God places in your life. So to do that, you actually have to be present. And then number two, it was spend time with others without having an agenda. Can you unpack that? Because I think that is such a refreshing um, thing, like I said, that is not common. Yeah, definitely. And um the first one is first for a reason. God doesn't make mistakes. He's the only perfect one. And so if you put someone in your life and they are loving, even if tough, and they're there for a reason. And if you focus on them and they love you, they trust you, they respect you, then everything else is healthy. Everything else works out. It's all part of his plan. And so what happens What happens in the marketplace, in the mission field, and even in our own house, in our marriage, is, okay, well, I've got all this already. I've got my wife. I've got my kids. I need to go focus on new people. You know, that transaction's over. I need to focus on the next one. Even in the church. Well, they already gave their life. They're members. They already tied. I need new people. You know, and and it's always new and next and new and next and the snare to compare. And, you know, I need that infatuation phase. You know, my bride's not giving me the love languages. I'm not getting the affirmation this second of this day, you know, and the, the devil tells you that you can get something better. And he went to Jesus and offered the king. If he's going to Jesus, it's kind of like, I'll remind my brothers, Wade, that, and my sisters and my friends, I'll remind them like, look, if you're a basketball fan and you see some guy challenging Michael Jordan on the court, I don't care how good that guy is, but he's got to have some 
abilities, if he's going to challenge Michael Jordan. And so I'm not going to give the creature too much credit, but if he's willing to come to Jesus and tempt Jesus, I'm not trying to mess with him more than I than I have to. And so I'm going to go follow God 100%, follow Jesus, and anyone he puts in our life. Because one of the principles, if I fast forward, is find a way to say yes, but the right yes. You can only say yes to the people God puts in your life. And so when people say, well, what happens if you say yes too often? You become a people pleaser. No, 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 no. A God pleaser, not a people pleaser with the people he puts in your life. If you start saying yes to everyone, which is common, if you start trying to please others to fill your flesh and gaps where you you feel affirmed, then what's happening is you're leaving your real loved ones behind. And you're like, well, they're always going to be there, Wade. So I need to, my neighbors need to love me. And then my neighbor's neighbors. And then in the marketplace, it's, you know, that transaction's over. If I want to take care of my family, I need another transaction. In our marriage, you know, when, when, when it leads to divorce, it's usually because a spouse feels like they're not getting something at home. And so instead of doubling and tripling down with that one soulmate, that one partner that God put in their life, they say, okay, it's easier just to go to the world and, and, and the devil will give me what I think I need. Even though God gave you everything you need under your roof, you just have to water the grass under your feet. And it sounds so cliche, but so true. And, and so I was speaking at this conference maybe eight, nine years ago, Wade, and um, a gentleman at the end asked me this question. He said, you know, David, this is all nice and ni- warm and fuzzy, but what happens if all you ever do is help a lot of people? And I don't mean in real estate. You just help a lot of people, but no one ever buys a home. No one ever sells a home. And you can't pay your bills and you can't pay your mortgage. Like, what do you do now? You helped a lot of people, Wade, but no one ever pays you. I'm like, that's awesome. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, that means that God has even bigger plans for my life. And when I get to heaven, I get to hug my mom and Jesus and and, and be told, hopefully well done. Um, he came up crying, man. And he's like, I need to hear this, David. My marriage is failing. My kids haven't seen me in weeks. I've been chasing and chasing and chasing. And I've been telling myself the lie that I need the next deal to take care of my family. And I can't tithe this week because my family needs it. And I need to stay out late and do those conferences and do that travel for my family. And I'm saying it because the devil will tempt you and will take in different... And he's like, so thank you, David. I'm going to go back to the people that already know me, that trust me, that love me, that respect me. He reached back out three months later and he's like, I have to hire staff. I have to hire people with gifts that I don't have, spiritual gifts, because I'm not good with paperwork and admin and I have more business than I can handle. My my marriage has never been stronger. I'm focusing on my marriage, not someone else's marriage. I'm focusing on my own kids, Proverbs 22.6, not trying to raise up someone else's kids who the world says are more put together. And so that first principle, man, it just gives me this compass that, makes everything else seem stress-free is Mm -hmm. the reason why when my friends ask me why I have no stress is like, look, if I know that I'm going to work today, if I know I'm going to church on Sunday, if I know I'm going to my kid's basketball practice tonight, the storm's not going to stop me. Maybe I leave a little early. Maybe I wear a raincoat or an umbrella, but the storm's not going to stop me if I know my purpose. And so it's when we go away, it's when we go away from his plan and we seek out people that he doesn't put in our life. Yeah. That's when we're like, why is my life so rocky? Why are things in turmoil? And then the What's devil's the difference. Pounce. Yeah, it's the difference between chasing validation from strangers and serving the people that God has entrusted to you, starting with your family and then your close circle, the people yes. that 
God has called you to lead and to serve and to love. And chasing validation is exhausting and it leads to emptiness. It leads to burnout. It leads to frustration. But serving those that God has placed in your life for this season, that's where joy is formed. Um, And so, yeah, I love that. Like, who has God placed in your life right now? And are you taking those relationships for granted? Are you actually stewarding them and loving them and serving them? Absolutely. And to that point, it goes along with the principle number two, like you said, Wade, meet people without an agenda. When you have an agenda, that's a transaction. You know, the relationship actually begins when the transaction ends. You know, you hear it in your marriage. Oh, I came home late, so I brought flowers. Or it's my wife's birthday, so I took her out for dinner, or I, I gave her a spa package, or I helped with the kids. And then the next day, you're back to your old self, your old ways. And no, no, no. The transaction was on the birthday. You have to do those things on the birthday. You know, even strangers do nice things on birthdays. But the next day, the next day, the next day, when, when, when you're not coming home late, do you do the flowers? Or when you don't, when you can come home on time, do you still come home late because you felt like you gave flowers yesterday? Do you fall into the same traps and you're chasing? You're chasing success, worldly success. You're chasing affirmations from a stranger. When you live with no agenda, look, here's the good news. You may not have your plan fulfilled and you know better than anyone, like your dream that you think is your dream realize today, but God has an agenda. And that's where he steps in. When you think you have your dream, he has the ultimate dream for your life. And so for me, the stress goes away when I say, okay, well, I'm going to the office regardless today. I'm going to pick up my kids regardless tomorrow of the storm. And, and, and so then I remember back in the day when I first got into real estate, I was putting something on the calendar and then something better would come up. You know, I would put a renter on the calendar, but then a buyer would reach out. I put a buyer on the calendar, but then a listing would reach out. I put a listing on the calendar and then a million dollar listing would reach out. I put a million dollar listing on the calendar, but then an opportunity to be on TV would reach out or someone high profile. And the world's like, no, no, no. You just have to just keep canceling and recommitting. And I'm like, ego, edging God out. When I got saved in 2009, I'm far from perfect, but God has taken that off of me. Um, And I work on it every day. I work on the idols every day. And so, but the best thing for my heart, like you said, is joy. And joy comes from knowing your purpose. Joy comes from having peace and not chasing. And when you have an agenda, you're chasing. You know, if I have this meeting and I don't get X, Y, Z, then I'm going to start having regret. Well, I had one of the most ultimate regrets and God redeemed me um, when I did not get to say goodbye to my mom, the only person who loved me. And so I just want to encourage people to just go backwards, not in their past, but into their Rolodex, into their household, into their kitchen, their bedroom, their backyard. Look at their wife, their husband, their kids. Look at their old transactions. Look at their neighbors. Look at their friends that they haven't called and say, you know what? I'm here for you. I see you. Um, you never know who God has put in your life. You can save their life. Like I told you this morning, you're saving people, you know, like with, with, with the worship music and now with your podcast and with your coaching and teaching, you're using your spiritual gifts 
to save people spiritually for eternity, as well as on this side, because I'll tell you right now, if I didn't get saved when I did, I may never have gotten saved and something bad could have happened to my life. Um, and, uh, because I had no hope, man, I had no hope. Hmm. Um, and so now I don't chase money. I don't chase recognition or affirmation. I chase Jesus and, um, and he has no agenda. Jesus hmm. just walked and loved everyone and healed anyone that was put in his life. His only agenda was that he had to torture, be tortured. His only agenda was to literally go on a cross by the Romans and be tortured and die the most painful death and be buried for three days. That was his agenda, just so he could rise again. And so I just want to be the solid light, man, like you're doing. Mm. I, I just want to be a reflection of Jesus. No agenda, man. No agenda. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's a daily walk. But um, I just want to encourage people on that, especially in the marketplace, man. But it happens at home too. It happens at home too. Your wife's always going to be there. So be nicer to your neighbors than you are to your own wife. You know, the neighbor's kids, maybe they're better at a sport. They're doing better at school. Be nicer to them. No, love your neighbor as thyself, but first work in your own house, <laughs> work yeah. under your own roof. Well, I was convicted several years ago that I was being more encouraging to others than I was encouraging to my wife. Right. And that was that was a tough thing to to realize, but we take for granted the people that yes. are the most precious to us um, unless we actively and intentionally choose each day to love them and to serve them. And you, you talk about flipping from going into an interaction from whatever you may want to whatever the other person needs and how, to me, that's such a good prayer going into any conversation, any interaction or a prayer in the morning as you pray through your calendar, Lord, how can I serve this person that I'm meeting with today? How can I serve this person that I'm having coffee with? How can I serve my kids? How can I serve my team? And even if we just posture ourselves in that way and look for it, I think we'll better be able to step into that uh, every day. But if we just go into it passively and reacting, where it's just going to be about me. It's just about going to be about what I can get because it it takes effort and intention to say, no, I want to bring something to this interaction. Yeah, I love that, Wade. And, and to your point, in addition, not only do you have to be intentional starting with your spouse and your kids and your own roof, you have to be proactive throughout your day, right? Because not mm -hmm. only are you going to put yourself first, but then you're going to allow yourself to throw pearls of swine. You know, Matthew 7, 6, don't throw pearls of swine. Then you end up not being a found to anyone and you let drains in, you know, and you are who you surround yourself with. And next thing you know, the world is telling you what your day looks like. And the world is going to put bad influences in your life. And you're going to end up going away from those that God wants in your life. And um, and so I love, I love the proactive, not reactive, because God does not want us to be on the sidelines. And he does not put people in our life as a mistake and he does not want us to ignore them. Yeah. Well, you even talk in your book about how you had gotten to the place where your business had expanded beyond Charlotte. You had offices all over the country and you were traveling, you were speaking at different conferences. Um, and so everything was just up and to the right. And you felt like the Lord said, stop expanding and focus on your Charlotte business, which is very counterintuitive to what we think success looks like. 
Can you walk us through what you learned through that? Yeah, definitely. And and by the way, yes, my Lord said it through my wife. We were leaving, <laughs> we were leaving church and uh, my wife says, babe, God put on my heart for you to stop expanding and to come home. I said, okay, um, but I thought you like when I do public speaking. I thought you, you, you appreciate, you know, I'm sharing the value of the relationships in your life and getting to talk about God. And she's like, absolutely, but not, not all the real estate, you know, go on the road and then come home. Not these extended stays and the distraction. And, um, and so we worked on that. It was a journey to come back home. One, because there was idols on the road. You know, like you can't be a prof in your own backyard. You know, you go on the road and um, you feel like you're adding value. And you tell yourself, Wade, that you're doing it to help others. And on some level, maybe you are. But on another level, if I'm looking in the, the mirror when I talk with you, the little boy in me was probably coming out. And I'm like, see, God, I told you I'm enough. And I'm getting affirmations from the wrong people. And I'm getting tempted. And I'm getting, and I'm getting fed what I should not be eating and drinking. And so we have to sometimes, his redirection is for our own protection. And so when I came home, you know, it was less a business decision and it was more a faith and family decision. Um, and, um, and you know what, from a business standpoint, God never makes mistakes. You know, it was all that energy. It wasn't right. It wasn't smart. You know, it's, um, my business wasn't where it needed to be. We didn't have this strong, solid hub, but I was telling myself what I wanted to hear to keep going on the road. I was letting people who didn't know me or know my heart or my story tell me what I wanted to hear. And I was kind of ignoring the truth. And, um, but my stress level is going through the roof. My marriage wasn't as strong. I didn't have as much time with my son. You know, my wife was going through a tough season. And, and to be honest, you know, my wife got really sick, right? As that was ending. And that was not a mistake either. You know, you never know why someone needs to suffer, but God knew it was going to happen. And I think he needed us together to focus on health, to focus on our marriage, our spiritual health, our physical health. And so honestly, when someone tries too hard, I was trying so hard, man, I was on the road. I go from this city to that. And I did a, a climb party in Kansas city. And then I was in Sioux Falls the next day. And then I'm driving through the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and I'm missing holidays and valentine's day and i'm watching my little boy grow up on videos man and 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 i'm not saying i was turning into my father but i promised that i would be present one of our guiding principles is to be present and i wasn't being present one of our guiding principles would be the friend and i wasn't being the friend if i was absent if i wasn't present you know um and i wasn't being the expert when i wasn't even charlotte you know i'm in california new york and texas and i'm not in charlotte um and I was reaching worldly success on some level and I was losing everything that God had planned for me. I was losing everything that mattered to me, everything that my mom taught me, my, my wife, my son, that we had a second boy. We had lost two girls, one far along. There was so much that really mattered that was being ignored for the marketplace. Don't get me wrong. Many are called to be marketplace ambassadors as long as he stays in the center. And I think I was kind of putting him on the on the shelf. I'd pull him, I'd call him out when when I needed him, and I'd put him back when he wasn't relatable in the arena I was in. Um, and it was very convenient for me for that season, man. And but then I went back to 2004, almost 15 years earlier, when I didn't visit my mom, 
before she passed. And I heard myself say never again. My wife reminded me not as many words, Wade, never again. So we do need to learn from our mistakes because the devil will keep pouncing, man. Just like my house was broken into about 12 years ago, Wade, I'll tell you a 10 second story. My, my friend looks at me, he's like, Dave, it's a nice neighborhood. I can't believe your house is broken into. The police officer looks at us both. He's like, guys, criminals are bad people, but they're not stupid. And that reminds me of the devil. He might be evil, but he's not stupid. And he'll find your blind spots. He'll see where your idols are. He'll see where your weaknesses are, your trauma. And he'll bring it out right when he thinks he can use it. And so I needed to come home. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a, a great story because it motivates me to continually ask and be very honest with my own heart of what is my motivation in what I'm doing and what I'm trying to build? Is it to help people? Is it to serve God? Or is it to feed some kind of need in my own ego? Um, and, and also, I mean, to be realistic, we all have an ego. We all have desires that are not, um, that are selfish desires, but we have to learn how to recognize that and lay those down and crucify those so that we can really um, bring our heart to Jesus for him to help us have the right desires. But I think examining our motivations and then also just asking ourselves, am I winning at the right thing right now? Like, where do I need to win? Where do I want to win? And where does God want me to win right now? Um, Because we can be winning at the wrong thing and not realize it until it's too late. Um, and so just a lot of respect for you to know when to say, okay, what, this might look like success, but I'm going to shut those offices down so I can actually win at what matters most. You know, I can't take an ounce of that credit, Wade. It was all Jessica and Jesus because Jessica said what Jesus was telling me for years, man, Hmm. you know, I had so much stress and I was ignoring it. You know, I was struggling at home, but I get fed on the road. And to your point, my ego was growing, but I, I didn't want to acknowledge it. And so I was turning from God without realizing it. Like I said, I would put them on the shelf and take them out. I didn't. I wasn't Holy Spirit filled on the road. I, I was. I was saying the right things, um, but I felt like an actor. And and when my wife said that to me, you know, I felt like you needed to come home. It was almost like a sense of relief. You know, I think we always know when something we're working too hard at something. Now, when, when you're called to do something, I think you and I both have work ethic. When you're called to do something, you give your all. Hard work is a privilege. That's biblical. But when you don't feel good about it, when you don't feel the Holy Spirit encouraging, when, when you know, it felt icky, you know, for a lack of a better term. It just felt, it felt disingenuous. It felt like of the world. I felt like a kid again. And, and I felt like, to your point, that I was feeding my own ego, not others. And I was taking more than I was giving. Um, and so I believe for myself, and I want to encourage others, that when you have a feeling, you know, it might be heartburn, it might be the Holy Spirit, you know, like, follow it, follow it. Because I needed my wife to tell me what I already knew, you know. And, and um, But I will also tell you, I'm going to encourage you on something. A few years back, I was at a conference. And the speaker was saying how if you have these relationships or those, and if this happens to that, maybe you're a taker. My friend looks at me. He's like, Dave, you look like you just saw a ghost. You look sick. And I'm like, man, I hope I'm not a taker. Like, I really hope I'm not a taker. And he's like, man, the fact that even bothers you means you're not. So we want to stay the course. We don't want to ever get too comfortable. 
But the fact that it even bothers you a little bit, that maybe you're feeding your ego, means you're on the right on the right track, Wade. I just want to encourage yeah. you on that, man. You're, you're on the right journey. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And, and thanks for being so open and, and honest about your life and your story and, and how Jesus is front and center anytime I ever talk to you. Um, just is there any kind of final encouragement or challenge that you want to bring to whoever's listening to this right now? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I know it sounds cliche that we live a short life, um, but we really do, man. You know, regardless if you live to be 10 or 100, no one's getting a thousand years any, anytime soon. Um, and so I just want to encourage people. I just want to encourage people from the bottom of my heart that they're meant for so much more. And I don't mean more money or more fame, but spend time in the word, spend time with the Lord, spend time in their own household, know where God wants them to be where they grow up, know their purpose, and they're made for so much more and just give their all. I just want to encourage people to not have a regret. I just want to encourage people to take that leap of faith, to not hold back on their faith, to not worry what people think, to not please people but God, and to just give their all. I just know that each and every person that God has created is meant for so much more, man. And I just want to encourage anyone listening that they are made for so much more. They have gifts that maybe they're scared to use or they feel like they're not enough. They're more than enough, man. Hmm. I received that. And I just, I thank you for just being such a bright light uh, in, in the marketplace and just, you're such an encouraging relational person, you know, ever since we had breakfast a couple of weeks ago, you've sent me some of the most encouraging texts. So you live what you write in the book. Uh, so I encourage everybody to get that and uh, can't wait to continue to follow your journey. Likewise, Wade, I appreciate you, brother. It's an honor. Thanks, David. Thank you, man. That's it for Dreamers and Disciples today. I pray the episode encourages you to serve the people God has placed in your life. Start just one very practical takeaway is to start by asking God before any meeting, any interaction, just praying through your calendar every day. Say, God, how can I bring something to every conversation? How do you want me to serve the people that are crossing my path today? And one way I just would love to ask a favor of you, one way you can support this show is to leave a review on Apple or Spotify or to subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can't really leave a review there, but you can comment and subscribe. But that really means a lot to me. It helps the algorithm. It helps get the show to more people. And so we can bless more people. So thanks for being a part of the Dreamers and Disciples community. I'll see you back here next week. Mm-hmm.